selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning into Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 14, The Reply Brief. This week, we dove into Part 12, and you guessed it, pings. I'm back this week, and I'm joined by Bob Ruff and Janet Varney. We have a lot of listener questions, but before we get into those, do we have any housekeeping? Nothing too important, I don't think so. We're still just plugging along with the new case. Uh, in the pre-show we were talking about, I've already met with somebody. I think I, that was last week. I think I already told you guys about that, but I'm arranging some interviews this week. We're now, by the time you hear this on Friday, we'll be one business day away from the deadline to get me my open records request. While I was sitting here recording, I got a text message from the person who has all of the paper trial transcripts, and there's arrangements for them to drop those off to me tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'll be getting those tomorrow. So we're moving right along on that. Uh, and the last bit of housekeeping that we have is our transcription team. We had somebody that got a new job and they're not able to help with the transcription anymore. And so uh, Erica Cantor reached out to me and said that we need a couple more transcribers if anybody is interested in doing that. We do have some software that kind of does like the bulk of it and then they go through and clean all that stuff up. But they try to keep really on top of it and get the episodes out to the inmates and stuff like that so they can read what we're talking about. So if you are, and I know we always have a ton of people that, that ask to do it. If you are interested, go to our website, click on the contact form and just shoot an email and let me know that you'd like to be a transcriber. And then I will, I will connect you with Erica and we'll get all of that squared away. So, um, if you're interested, please do that. And just know like I'll, I'll get through them all. I, and I always try to tell people I'll do my absolute best to get back to everyone that does it. But if you don't hear back from me, it's just cause I'm just a lot of times when I do this, I'll have my email and I have 300 emails in there and they need three people. So I'll kind of zip through a few of them. And, but I do appreciate all of you volunteering to help. Did any, uh, did Erica give you a sense of how much time in a week, for example, like for those people who are interested, um, might thin it down a little bit if you know if it seems like it's going to be too much for some folks, do you have any sense of that? I really don't. I know that they've got a team of like four. They, at one point, they had almost six people, and they kind of divide and conquer. I think they do that so nobody has to. You know, I think I think it's like every like when you get Understood. an episode, you, you have that episode as your job, so you might spend a couple hours on it when you do that. But if you're interested in doing that uh, and you have the time, we very much appreciate that. And of course, we already appreciate all of the people that volunteer to do so much work for us. We appreciate all of you guys. And I believe that is the end of the housekeeping. We're just trying to just stretch this out. Just give me that. I was hoping it wasn't going to, they weren't going to take the full three weeks to give me the records request, but it seems like that's exactly what they're going to do. So we're waiting on that stuff. Do you have any Uh, Jamie Snow updates? 
yeah, that's where I was going next. Not really housekeeping is really part of one, uh, one of our cases. So you guys remember season seven, Jamie Snow on Thursday, the 29th. So if you're just listening to this on Friday, you're not here in the live stream. That will have been yesterday. Jamie's back in court. He has a hearing for the um, the motion to do some DNA testing in his case. So things are still moving forward there. Uh, our very own Jennifer Hill is going to be attending that hearing. I think there's some other people that may be going, but I know for sure Jennifer Hill is attending that. So we should have a report on how that went by next week. And other than that, I think we should go ahead and get right into this. And that was not a super long episode. And this is this was one of those where I was like kind of frustrated that I needed to even make it because they're just kind of just rehashing over there's the whole sleight of hand element of it. But Zach, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. So what did what'd you, what'd you think about this and last week? Anything you want to talk about? <sighs> Honestly. The games they are playing are getting disgusting. The more we listen, the more we hear you break it down, the, the more frustrating it's beginning to, I don't want to say beginning to get, it's past beginning. It's, it's, I'm, I'm thoroughly disgusted with this whole thing. And, and this episode this week with the pings, I mean, I kind of already knew all this stuff. This is stuff we talked about before. We even, I think we even discussed a lot of this in season 12, even though this was not relevant to that case, but we discussed so much about pings and everything else right that we also discussed the pings from adnan's case in that case while trying to oh explain right it all. yeah yeah so we've we've discussed this at nauseum it feels like yeah very much and you know i obviously recorded this episode months ago so i i listened back to it before we did this when i was at the gym this morning and i, and I was remembering like that kind of light bulb moment that you heard at the end when i realized the the sleight of hand that's happening here and i don't know if you guys have thought about that or later but when it was like and I've obviously articulated this in the episode, but it's like the most critical, important piece of this puzzle is Jay's story. He is the evidence against Adnan. Mm-hmm. And all we hear through the entire series, 14 hours or more of episodes is don't worry about those details. But then they're like, all the focus is on Asia. Three episodes on Asia, who they say, what do they tell you? She doesn't really matter. She doesn't really alibi him. But that's where we're going to focus and the leak in part being. So like, I remember now in the moment when I was writing that episode, that light bulb moment was like, oh my God, that's, this is what they want. They want us arguing about Asia and they want us arguing about, they, they want to put our focus there because it draws it away from the important piece of it. Janet, what did you think of part 12? Well, uh, I've listened to this one more than once. I, For some reason, I think, well, I think part of it is that there were things that were so convoluted, not in your coverage, but in the coverage that you're covering, that you yourself had to say, like, I mean, when you're having to apologize to your listeners saying, I don't know how to make this make any more sense, or in some cases, any sense at all, I'm trying to, but I can't change or fix something that never made sense to begin with. You know, I, you, I, I really paid attention to that. And I was like, I guess I'll listen to what he's trying to explain over again to see if somehow it will make sense to me. And it, it just doesn't. I'm going to say the like, oh, a girl with feelings thing that no one probably needs to hear. But I just remain so disappointed. I'm like crushed. And I, I shouldn't be crushed. I should just not care and be fine with it. But my problem is, is that, you know, it just bums me out so much, especially when I know that, you know, we have friends of the show who consider them friends. And Mm -hmm. I know that they have families and friends and people who care about them and they have children and kids who look up to them. And I'm just really bummed out. And I know that's like a totally lame, unimportant thing to say. And I should just be harder hearted about it because I'm also very angry. But I just find it I just find it crushing. And and I don't take that lightly. And I know none of us do it. We are not just people here to throw shit at other people. That is not what we're here to do. And so it just it's just that feeling of like, God damn it. Yeah, I just wish we didn't have to. I wish this wasn't happening, but it is. And the truth needs to be told. Yeah. And I think that's fair to like, I I don't think you should feel bad about expressing it. I I think if there's one thing that that our show has always been is extremely transparent about things like even like that, like how we're feeling about it, because that's kind of how I was with it. Like I didn't really know them. But like when I started realizing what they were doing, it was just incredibly just disappointing to me like and i still can't tell you why they did it but yeah th- those those moments you're talking about where i was like having trouble it was it was these when i was listening to them it was like these crazy circular arguments it was like we're trying to figure out if adnan wrote that letter and to prove that he did it's because we know that he did so that's how we know that he did so we can prove that he did it was, it was like what it was, it, well, was, it, was, it was so hard to track yeah 
you you referenced it, I believe, last episode. I think you've refer- referenced it a few times this season, but you referenced it last episode about the amount of time they spend trying to justify their opinions or their thoughts, and then they'll just glaze over actual facts. Like, if it's right. something that, that they feel is actually bad for their case, they just really, like, quickly, like, and this happened, and it's bye. But then they spent mm-hmm. 20 minutes of this episode talking about Asia again for the third time. While, while continuing to tell you that Asia doesn't matter. Yeah. It was it was in those moments when I was listening to theirs, when I was putting it together, is what I remember is like, first of all, I was like, how are we talking about her again? Like, when is this going to stop? And then it was, I think it was Brett followed up with, but the thing is, Asia doesn't matter. If she, like, she doesn't alibi him at a time, I'm like, then why the fuck are we still talking about her? Why are you dragging (laughs) this woman's name through the mud and accusing her of this and drawing so much focus to it? If you're saying it doesn't matter, like, let her be then. Move on. The next, whatever important thing there is sorry there's my emotions coming out a little bit well no and again it kind of goes to you know we don't spend a lot of time talking about a chat show where it's two folks who have their opinions and they may be misstating something or maybe they've just adopted a theory that they don't totally understand and they're just regurgitating it because that's the kind of podcast they are but the reason that this continues to be chilling is it's really hard not to have a name of a podcast be the name of the podcast that that is and not feel like I guess this is just what prosecutors do. They just need to win. So they just say whatever they want. I mean, that's just that's a really bad look. So, right. Prove well, me and that's wrong. A, I want to be wrong. Please prove me wrong. And, like, don't and, do that. How about don't that, do that? Yeah. And that's the thing is like, that's not OK. We all know that's not OK. Like, we want the facts. We want truth. But at least like I can understand it. Like, that's how the game is played. And it sucks that it is a game. Our judicial system is a game. It's all Ugh, about winning. Yeah. And it sucked, but I know that. And that's kind of what we're trying to push back and fight against, right, right. Is, to, is to try to make that change. But then taking it to a podcast and presenting like, hey, and for those of you that haven't heard it, when you hear the season finale, which is only two episodes away, and you kind of hear how they end things, it, it's infuriating that they put this out as, listen, we finally decided. We went through all the facts, and we're giving you an unbiased. And then they did the same fucking thing they do in the courtroom. Like just twisting it to try to make their point. Like at the end, you feel duped, right? It's like this was all just a game. It was like a thought experiment. Like a massive percentage of the people that know this case all believe he's innocent. Let's see if we can convince them that he's guilty. And it's disgusting. It's so disgusting to me because, yeah, because that's what it feels like. And I'm not saying that because I don't know what they're thinking, but like that's what it feels like to me that they're like playing this game to see if they can do it. And disregarding the fact that these are all real people, these are all real humans with real lives, the case is active and being litigated as we speak while they're doing it, it's disappointing, but... That's such a bummer. Yeah. But with that, we should, we should, before we, I'm sure we could all ramble on about this. The one last thing, the one last thing before we go is, I really appreciated hearing your insight and your recollection of the courtroom that day. I know that it's, there's, some time has passed. But it's nice to hear what you actually saw in the courtroom that day compared to what they shared with us with Asia's testimony. Yeah. And, and to be clear about that, those I have those transcripts are on the website. So you can you can read on take my word for it. You can read it. But what the transcripts don't capture because it was such a, and anybody that was there, th- those were such memorable moments. Like when when the state's expert was just having an absolute and you can read it, but it's not the same as when you were in there and it was fucking pandemonium. Sorry for all the F-bombs this week, guys. Uh, it was pandemonium in the courtroom, literally laughing when their expert was just going off, having a fit and refusing, like Justin, the Adnan's attorneys asking him, like, tell us where the location was. He's like, I'm not answering nothing. You know, the, the information's not there and you can't, you know, you do this and you're trying to trick me and I'm not do, playing your game and blah, blah. It's like, and Justin's just like, just tell me everything you need's on that document. It is not, you know, it's just like going and like, and then when he revealed, it's like, oh, that's the document that the state gave to Christina Gutierrez and told her she had everything she needed. And the stuff with Asia, like if any of you have seen A Few Good Men, there's a thing called a code red in the movie, right? And it's where an officer tells the guys to go beat the shit out of somebody. And the prosecutor, or the the defense attorney comes up and he puts down the Marine Corps manual and says, show me the section in there about a code red. And he's like, well, that's not in there. What do you mean it's not in there? It doesn't exist? Well, it's not in there. And he goes, oh, so there is nothing in the Marine. There is no such thing as a code red. And he's like, yeah. And he walks down and he sets the manual down. And then on cross, Tom Cruise's character. I mean, this is what we're doing. Movie recaps, right? But, <laughs> but 
But Tom Cruise, the prosecutor, right when he slaps it down, he picks the manual right back up and he throws it back in his face. He says, show, show me the part in there about the mess hall. Show me the location of the mess hall in that. And it's like, oh, that's not in there. It's like, oh, the mess hall must not exist then. And they, the defense and the prosecution had a conversation afterwards. Like, that was a hell of a redirect. And that is what it was like when Asia was on the stand and Vignaraja, the, the state's attorney, is hammering her about, you didn't know. How did you know? How could you possibly have known that he was at central booking? And how could you? And, he, and again, the transcripts don't do it justice. I've never seen more unprofessionalism, to be fair, on both sides, because Justin was was firing right back. But Justin was kind of being a smart ass about it. And he was like pushing back against where Vignaraja was like just attacking this witness. There's like, you'll read it's objection, objection, a badgering. Asked and answered over and over again. Like at one point he threw his he threw his notepad down when Vignaraja was hammering away at Asia with the same thing over and over again. And he he didn't even object. He just threw it down. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, it was awful, but he's, he's hammering him with all those things. And then he sits down and then Justin, like this before Vignaraja hits his seat, Justin's up. And then he puts this newspaper in front of Asia and he says, we want to submit this exhibit, whatever. And it's the, the Baltimore sun from uh, March 1st, 1999. And he said, there's some highlighted sections there. Can you read the first highlighted section? And Nansayed was booked into central booking. What's it say next? It says what time it was. It says he was arrested in the early hours of his home. Like all the details that he was saying she couldn't have possibly known from anywhere. And he's like, so could you have possibly got these top secret details from the newspaper that was put on your front doorstep that morning? And like, again, audible laughter, which just got Vignaraja even more angry because everybody's now laughing at him while he's doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think those kinds of dramatic moments don't happen as often as we would be led to think that they do, given all of the courtroom dramas that are out there. And so this brought back some very positive memories for me. Uh, I do. I followed all of that so closely, as I know many of us did when it was happening. And I remember the giddiness of those moments that Justin had that no matter what you think about anything else, it's just like, well, that's he won that. He won. Yeah, well, like, Even if you don't agree with any other thing that's happening, it's clear that when Justin said, did Adnan fly in a helicopter, right. the point is going to Justin. There's <laughs> no way to interpret that differently. That's not totally disingenuous. Yeah. So it was really fun to remember all of that stuff because it kind of made me feel giddy in that way I did back then, which was like, yes, Justin. Yes. You know, were you watching back then? Like, I, th- I think oh, back yeah. then the, it was Periscope. Like every break, Susan and I were stepping outside oh my God. and like live totally. streaming. And poor Robbie at the Dunkin Donuts. And I mean, yeah, it was all just Robbie very, out. it was very thrilling. It was very tense and it was very yeah. scary and thrilling and, and such a win. And so, yeah. yeah. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that back because that was a very special time when Justin completely kicked ass and this sort of yeah. cartoon villain that was Vignaraja was made to look like a complete fool, which is, I'm sorry, but what he deserved. And that was the whole point of like, they're presenting this as though there was some question about the cell phone records. Like it wasn't, nobody understood what was going on and we don't really know if they should be like, again, first of all, as I said, the judge ruled that that was the case, that he overturned the convictions based on it. It was a winning argument. And the the actual facts that that helicopter thing was, again, he's, he's there while they're arguing and arguing that incoming calls are reliable for location. He hands him Adnan's records and he's like, where's the location for that incoming call? He's like, it's in, uh, it looks like he's in downtown Washington, D.C. Okay, this one's 24 minutes later. Where's the incoming, where's he located in that one? Uh, on the west side of Baltimore, wherever it was. And he's like, huh, does Adnan Syed own a helicopter? <laughs> so again, <laughs> unprofessional? Yes, but it was. It was like, I've been to lots of court hearings. I, I've spent a lot of time in a courtroom over these last eight years. And usually it is very boring and it's not like it. I always tell people it's not like it is on TV. That hearing was like it is on TV. It was some yeah. it was some Matlock shit going on in that. Justin hearing. was fighting for his life. He was fighting for Rodnan's life. So yep. I'm I'm cool with it. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I guess we should get into some questions. I'm realizing that we've been passionately talking about this for a minute without actually getting into our wonderful listeners' questions. Um, is there anything else we want to add before we touch base with some of those? We better I'm not good. lead to another 15-minute conversation. Let's get <laughs> into right. it. In this other movie we like, this thing happened. Okay. Let's talk about, I'm just going to generally, I may not get to everyone's because of our timing today, but Jason, just while we're kind of on the subject, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to this. just want to acknowledge Jason's question. He says, I really enjoyed this episode. I do wonder what the motivation for their deception is. I know obvious motivations like money, attention, etc. are likely contributors, but I was wondering if you had any other thoughts on what some other motivations for this behavior might be. And I think we touched on it with the sort of perhaps broken parts of the system where it becomes all about winning and maybe taking that into a realm that's like very. Yeah. And I just kind of recently kind of it was kind of in the review of this episode that I kind of thought maybe that like, again, I, I don't pretend to know what they're thinking. My thought had been based on their social media posts and the amount of ads that they dumped into these episodes. And maybe it was just a revenue thing. Plus the timing and the way the the podcasting industry was was really hurting at that time. So maybe it was just for clicks and ad dollars. But then I wonder, too, like, is it was it was it the game? Was it was it? Let's see if we can do because I mean, imagine what a challenge, what a challenge that this case has been heard by millions of people through serial, through undisclosed, through truth and justice, through the documentaries, all that stuff. And the overwhelming majority of people came away believing without question that Adnan is innocent. And then they came out and said, well, I'm going to do something in depth and convince people that he's guilty. That's a hell of a feather in your cap. if. You're, I don't know, a sociopath. Yeah, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying that's what they are. I'm not even saying that's what their motivation. But if that is, that's something. I think so often it gets forgotten that these are real people. All these cases we talk about are real fucking people. Like, well, gosh, I would for, hope that if you were working in the legal frame, you wouldn't, you would know that you were talking about real people. But, but I agree but with you. Know you know what? I hear what you're saying. But you know what, though, on, on that, I, I think it's exact opposite of that. I think that's a big problem with our system because it's so adversarial. It gets I think depersonalized. That, yeah, I think people, yeah. I, I think the people on both sides that work in it every day, I think it becomes more of a game of winning and losing Good to them. Point. And it does get depersonalized to them, which might explain a lot of what we're seeing. Like if you're litigating, if everybody just becomes a number to you and then maybe you're not thinking about the fact that these are real people because yeah. you can't get attached to that person because you're going to win or you're going to lose. And then you got to move on to the next one. No, that makes sense. Quick question about the track team. This came up for a few different people. Laura and Tony and Wendy all had similar questions. I'm going to read Laura's 
Laura says, how do we know for a fact that there were only eight people on the track team? I remember seeing a list that had a lot more people and people with what appear to perhaps have Muslim names. Is it possible there were eight people in a non-specific event? Maybe there was a group of eight who did certain distances and or relays. That's an awfully small team. And some of the others had, you know, had felt that they saw it recorded that there were more people or, you know. So when I when I put this information out and, and, and the where it came from originally was Adnan's defense made a list of all the members of the track team to interview them. Doesn't appear they ever did, but they made the list of everybody on the track team. And it was a small number. And and also, I'll point out for those that are on Patreon, we had a special Patreon episode this week where we had Grayson, who's one of our listeners who's from the area and actually used to work at Woodlawn. He was on and he also said, no, the indoor track team was a very small team. And so we had the list. There's only eight people. I don't know exactly where all that, but I know like way back, Colin Miller investigated this and he has put out that, you know, there was only eight people on the track team. And so we have that list. And so then the guilty crowd countered that with from the case file. It's the the eligibility list, and they put out a few. So one of them is like indoor, outdoor track, or it says outdoor track, and there's like 40 people's names on it, and some of them are starred, and some of them aren't. And there's another one that says just indoor track, and there's other names uh, other names on it. And, and then they claim that's the roster for the track team. What that was is just the eligibility list. It was the, it was the list for you know, the people that were like academically eligible to run track, not the people that were on the track team on January 13th, 1999, that list is the list that was put together by Adnan's attorneys to go interview everybody that had that that full exhaustive list on it that was just the eight people. It, well, I think I think it was nine with Adnan's name obviously wasn't on the list. They didn't need to interview him. It was the uh, I believe there was a total of nine uh, memory serves. So it was Adnan and eight others. Gotcha. A few different comments about Asia. Richard just kind of points out, you know, again, we have a lot of these kind of dichotomies of like. If you're saying this is true, then how can you also pretend like this other thing isn't true and vice versa? Richard says, what do you think about people saying Asia had to have the wrong day because she said that she'd gotten stuck at her boyfriend's house, but the storm didn't happen until after midnight? And then go on to say that Christy V was at home that night because her class was canceled due to the storm, which didn't come until after midnight. And then Richard adds, as far as he remembers, Asia had just said that she got stuck at her boyfriend's, didn't say what time she was planning on leaving. There was no like, aha, we caught you because you said you were leaving at 10 o'clock and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I believe when that conversation came up later with Asia, she just said that like it wasn't necessarily storming yet. But her mom was like, no, you need to stay there. And I, I think Richard's more referring to the prosecutor's kind of dichotomy there. But f- for me, I would say because there's that possibility out there and people have made that argument, you know, for me, I can't say 100 percent certain she's got all, all the facts and the details exactly right. And so it has to be that maybe it was the wrong day. And it's, you know. As they said accurately, like she's not all that important to the case. Like if she had the wrong day, it doesn't change anything, right? Uh, the actual important parts of the of the case. But to Richard's point, again, pointing out to the prosecutors, while they say, well, to be fair, I don't know that the prosecutors mention that the storm no. was later that night. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I, I don't think that. So they're they not said that. use. They are not the ones that are directly comparing, like using this for Christie and then using and then not using for Asia or vice versa. Right. I think they didn't, and probably because I think they are very smart. I think that they probably intentionally left that because of this exact conflict that Richard's talking about. But then on the other side of that, as far as Christy Vincent, to be fair, I believe they're the only people ever in the history of ever that have come up with class must have been canceled because of the storm. Like, I've, I've never heard that argument before they made it. And somehow they made it, it, it went from in like three minutes while they were talking about it. There's another possibility. Maybe it was because of the storm to within a couple months later. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. That's what happened. There just was no class that night. Because again, it's that same circular logic. We have to believe Jay. So instead of like trying to figure out if Jay's telling the truth, it's no, no, we have to believe Jay. So that means Christy had to be home. And we know Christy was home because Jay said she was home, even though we're trying to figure out if Jay knew if she was home. That's that same like sort of so therefore it must be hmm oh, maybe class was canceled because of the storm. Until there's any definitive proof that that's not the case, and then you just throw it away because it doesn't matter because it because Jay lies. So it's a handy little out um whenever you need it. I- I'm just gonna again, I'm gonna kind of sum up because these aren't necessarily questions beyond how the hell could you say these things? which I applaud our listeners for trying to wrap their heads around. But I don't know that there's specific stuff that you that you really need to answer with the time that we have. But, you know, just some thoughtful comments 
and questions from people like Joe and Laura as they talk about, you know, wait, did they have an idea of how somehow that they were going to smuggle out this important alibi information when Adnan was in jail or, or why would they even know to conjure that alibi if they still didn't really know when the prosecution was going to say the crime happened? You know, just points of logic that our listeners are calling attention to that are, I, I think, versions of what you've said in the past, but just good observations from people kind of saying, well, wait a minute. And there's a lot of, well, wait a minute moments that yeah. come up when you're when you're trying to put this puzzle that doesn't really make sense together. Moving on to, unless do you have something else we want to add? No, no, that's fine. Okay. Chris says, this is, here's a question for, about Ritz and McGillivray. We've talked a lot about the investigations and the misdeeds of those two. Chris says, I'm really curious about the investigation into Detectives Ritz and McGillivary. How long after this case were they investigated and did the people who investigated them ever check into this case? I don't know that they they were never really investigated. They were investigated just by defense teams. I think it's, I don't remember if it's coming up in this week's episode or if it's in the finale uh, where I I actually break down the things we know about what they had done in other cases. Uh, I've I've touched on it a couple of times, but I actually like break those things down. But all of those cases were much like Adnan's, where a defense started digging into getting and talking to the witnesses and found out that they had manipulated and forced false testimony. And then, of course, the state fought that and tried to claim that they didn't. And then when it came out before the judge, the convictions were overturned and it was confirmed that they did actually do all these things. But because of that, this is not like the Baltimore Conviction Integrity Unit was looking into these guys. In what they did to a range of cases, it was an individual defendant and their attorney that looked into them. And, you know, they were it was it was all focused on that. It's it's only in this new age of podcasting and social media where now it's like it's kind of the same as Ted Bundy, for example. Right. Back in like he was able to get away with what he got away with for so long because he would murder people in different jurisdictions and the different jurisdictions weren't talking. So it was like the same M.O. doing the same thing in different places. But nobody knew there was this mass murderer that was traveling the country doing all this because nobody was talking. Nothing was connected. But then eventually all those things came together. And that's kind of the case here where back in the 90s, you know, there would be, you know, somebody looking into Ezra Mabel's case and they found out like, holy shit, these guys did this horrible stuff and they got this witness to lie and they did all these things to get this false confession called false conviction. And they get the conviction overturned and then they move on to the next case. They never circle back to were there any other cases. But now all of a sudden, you know, Susan Simpson undisclosed come out and they're like, hey, this isn't the first time these guys did this. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. And so now they're all coming together too late, obviously, because they're not on the force anymore. But I would love it if the state's attorney's office in Baltimore would pull up and assign a team just to investigate these guys cases, because I guarantee you there's more than Adnan's and the other four that we know about. Sure, sure. Sarah says this is regarding Inez. In this episode, Inez comes back up when we're talking about alibis. But Sarah says, haven't we counted her out of the alibi group? Didn't she perhaps have the wrong day or have mixed recollections? Not that that is necessarily like a do or die since the coaches, as you mentioned in this episode as well, said that he was there and there's really no reason to believe anything otherwise. Yeah, as, as I had said earlier, so when Brett and Alice first brought up, they brought up her trial testimony, which was inconsistent and seemed like she for sure had the wrong day. Then I pulled up and found her initial interview. And on that, she was like she was wearing a black skirt. Didn't say anything about a wrestling match, said she had to work that day, like had the details right, except for she had said a long skirt and it was a short skirt. We had the whole discussions about that stuff. She actually, in her initial interview, she certainly did have the right day. All these details looked right. But there was another interview before that with Baltimore County. And in that one, she had other details wrong again. So she flip flopped a few times. And one of the things that Grayson, who who knew Inez Butler before she passed on, he had mentioned, too, that, you know, that her stories tended to change around and stuff so there's no version of Inez's story where she's like and Adnan was in the car bump 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 it was nothing like that it's just she alibis Adnan you know she sees hey a quick stop before she leaves Adnan was nowhere around and she left alone that's a rock solid alibi but because of all of the changing stories it's just we don't know how reliable it is so she's still in that category like for me like it's just like preponderance right so everything piles into the same pool. So you've you've got Becky and you've got Debbie and you've got Coach Sai and you've got Coach Russell and you've got Inez Butler and you've got Asia and you've got all these things. 
Some have more weight than others. Some are more reliable than others. They're all like in this pile of things that need to be included in at Alibi. And then you got to sort through and figure out what is verifiable, which, of course, would have been much easier to do back in 1999. I noticed um, Grayson mentioned he's in the chat as well. And he mentioned to look at the gun trace task force in Baltimore. Uh, he says that they were found planting evidence. Well, they've had, there's, there's so many stories of corruption out of this department, which again is one of the things that just amazes me when Brett and Alice could simply say like, you have to believe that they would do this crazy stuff and that they would do this grand conspiracy. It's like, it's documented. You can say that you think they didn't do it in this case, but to act like it's insane to think that they would do that is completely asinine because we don't even have to theorize about it. It's not a hypothesis. We know for a fact that they have done shit like this, this department, and even these particular detectives over and over and over again. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If you're in need of a property insurance partner to help your business remain resilient, FM Global is the perfect choice. We employ science, data, and research to help assist you in making informed risk mitigation decisions. We will collaborate with you to identify and reduce risks linked to natural disasters while providing solutions that promote a more sustainable future. Let's prepare to prosper. JJ says... When you were talking about how the prosecutors work backwards from their predetermined conclusions regarding the 709 and 716 Leakin Park pings, how did Bilal's name even come up? Did the prosecutors literally suggest a theory where the 709 and 716 pings are evidence that Bilal buried the body? I had a really difficult time following that part and would love if you could explain it a little more. I would love if I could explain it a little better, too, but it's... <laughs> It go it goes like this, right? So the, the the purpose of this episode is to number one distract you, and it's a couple things, right? So like, look over here at Asia instead of looking where you should be looking. We're trying to do that, and then the overwhelming majority of the episode is designed around preserving those pings, right? So they like they know that Jay's testimony is problematic. So the one thing that they have to grasp onto, the same thing the state has to grasp onto, is those Leakin Park pings. The phone was in Leakin Park, so then you have. Even though they pretended it went differently than it actually went, they've got the, you know, the testimony from the experts where instead of saying what really happened, which is they proved without question through actual examples in Adnan's actual phone records that the incoming calls are not reliable for location. Obviously, like the judge heard what they're reading and the judge concluded 
that the incoming call shouldn't have been used for location. They're unreliable, right? So kind of their their hedge against that is, okay, well then what do we do with that? And that's how they, if you listen, that's what they do with everything, right? So they always make, listen, we think this is what happened. We're pretty certain this is what happened. But if it's that weird thing that you think happened, well, then there's an explanation for that too. And that's how Bilal comes in. It's complete and utter nonsense. If you listen to them talk in their episode, it goes like this. Well, if they're saying that one of the possibilities is that the tower ping is actually closer to the caller than the person being called, well, that makes Adnan even more guilty because that means, and again, that that was that weird circular logic, right? So we're trying to figure out if these pings put Adnan at the burial site right? because we're trying to figure out if he was there burying Hay at seven o'clock. And so their logic here becomes, we know Hay was being buried at seven o'clock. And therefore, if somebody's phone was pinging those towers, that must be who was burying her body. And they don't acknowledge the fact that Jay and Jen say it was Jen who was calling at that time. And they're like, we don't know. Remember, you know, for all we know, that could have been. And they literally just pull it out of the air. That could have been, you know, we don't know who the incoming call is from. Could have been Bilal that was at the burial site. And again, why do we know that Hay was being buried at 7 o'clock? Because Jay said he was there when she was burying the body with Adnan at 7 o'clock. But now Jay and Adnan aren't there. But we must still know that the body's being buried at seven. So whoever called must have been burying the body. And it's super inconvenient for that to have been Jen. So it was, hmm, how about Bilal? He's already a dark character in this story. If you're trying to find like the the train of logic and facts that led to that conclusion, it's a fool's errand. It doesn't exist. One of many question marks. Um, Sunshine says, uh, curious mostly, could Adnan's family have asked Bilal to give them a detailed call log? Wouldn't he have been able to get them that from the cell company since the phone was in his name? I don't know. I mean, the defense could have su- could have subpoenaed it. I, d- I don't think I think that the cell technology was new enough that they didn't know what they were looking for. I don't think that Gutierrez got the phone record from the state and was like, oh, well, there's a much more detailed version that can explain this better. I don't think they they even considered that, that they needed more than they had. They, they, it seemed like they kind of just took the state's word for it. That and if you read like the defense, like there was no argument at, at trial. And that's why his conviction was overturned, right? Because his conviction was actually overturned in that he- 2016 hearing based on ineffective assistance of counsel because Christina Gutierrez failed to challenge those cell phone records. So when you read the article, instead of saying, we don't know that that means he was at Lincoln Park, she accepted, well, it must mean he was at Lincoln Park. And so let's try to explain it away from there. And I see a lot of talk in the chat about something that you will be getting into in an upcoming episode, which is, of course, coming back to that lividity. And that also reminds me that that's another thing that Gutierrez just let in. So, well, there's plenty to revisit or say about that that will be coming up. That's pretty much it. You know, Grayson, I just want to acknowledge I, I saw that after you had your your great conversation on the Patreon feed with Bob, it was a video, but you can also listen to the audio. A lot of very cool local information there and a lot of clarification for people who are far away, who don't know the area as well, who had some really interesting questions. I know that you mentioned that you were kind of trying to figure out the route that would make sense in this case with respect to Mr. S and that you saw that there were a couple of different ways it could work. Thank you for, you know, kind of adding to that. In general, I think if you're interested, folks, in what Grayson's saying and the other routes that he's talking about, I would say probably won't mean as much to you if you're not a patron and and you didn't listen to that episode. But you can always go to the Facebook page, join that if you're not already. And there's conversation around some of that and some additional maps and stuff. But that was a very cool episode and a very cool way to get to know that area a little bit better from a different perspective. Yeah. And for the if you're not on Patreon and if you're if you're looking for an excuse to join, it was so we we did a live stream in the video version of Exist, but like on the stream, I put a map up of the area and we were like moving and showing like where the locations were on the map. And Grayson was kind of explaining how you would get from one place to another and and a lot of the a lot of details, like especially around like Mr. S. And the Grayson kind of theorized that maybe the reason he took that route is because he wasn't really going home to get a tool and get a beer, but in fact was stopping at a bar that was down that way, down by Franklin Town, like kind of in route. Cause it, cause like the route from his house back to the college doesn't make sense for him to go through it's a really it's it's a long way around right. to go through Leakin Park instead of when he could have taken a different a, a much easier much more direct route but what we of course didn't know is there is a bar right there 
it's possible that he maybe he had stopped there and had a beer and that might explain some of the weirdness around why he was in that area. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. I also well, sounds like gr- I need to join Patreon then so I can see this thing. Zach, you've got to get on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing out, uh, buddy. Uh, I, I also want to point out too, I did see we were, we were in the middle of conversation, but uh, Grayson did pop in the chat when we were talking about the size of the track team and he did confirm what I had said that the track team was very small. He said, yeah, he said the, the outdoor track team had a few more. The indoor track team was a very small team. Like the idea, the people that are throwing around that there were some 40 kids on the indoor track team is just simply not true. Uh, and with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. We're almost done with the reply brief. We got, we got two episodes left. This week, we get into alternate suspects. Everybody's screaming about lividity. I think we talk about lividity in this one coming up. These next two episodes are pretty powerful, I think, in leading up into the conclusion. Still working with Bob Mata, hopefully to get him on. And uh, and again, for those of you that are like, come on, let's move on to the next case. Just know, like, we're going to move on to that next case just as soon as we can. Like, that's what's happening behind the scenes while all this stuff is going out is trying to get transcripts, trying to get documents, trying to secure interviews and trying to piece this puzzle together so that we can launch into this next episode. There's all the, the person that's in that's in prison. I've been communicating with them through email. And now there's like the prison they're in. They're actually threatening like a, a full facility indefinite lockdown because there keeps being violent outbreaks and so mm. they're essentially uh, when they sent me an email they said that the, the warden had basically told them if there's one more violent incident then they're putting everybody on lockdown indefinitely which of course they're like this is like it sucks because you know you sit there and behave yourself but if some other yeah. person isn't then so i'm hoping to sneak in uh hopefully that just doesn't happen and hopefully can get an interview in but i mean that we're not going to let that stop us you know i can hopefully be able to still communicate through email and and get some of that stuff so we're working, we're moving forward, trying to get to the, to get into this next case. I'm super excited to start presenting it. I'm also excited for the rest of you to hear these next two episodes of the reply brief and just as much interested in having uh, Bob Mata come on and talk about that. So that's what you guys got coming on Sunday. You've got the episode. We're going to talk about the alternate suspects. We're talking about lividity. It's a pretty detailed episode. I think you guys would like that for you patrons. We're going to be talking to Mr. Josh Hallmark this week uh, for, an episode for you guys. Uh, I love that guy. About his, about his new podcast, Unsafe Ew, Spaces. Ew, I'm really jealous. I, maybe I can try Do to you want to join? weasel in. Yeah, I don't want you guys to change your schedules, but I will always get in on any opportunity to see Josh and you. And with that, thank you guys so much for joining. Thanks for supporting us, all of you that are here on the, on the live stream. Thanks so much for our subscribers. We love all of you guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com designed, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnik, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. 
To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth, Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.